Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco. Or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco! Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of Photo Taco on the Master Photography Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jeff Harmon. Thanks for spending a few minutes of your day with me. I'm so excited to have a guest with me in this episode. Matt Bach from Puget Systems has joined me. And Matt, for the listeners who may be newer, why don't you tell us a little about yourself, what you do at Puget Systems? Sure. Um, I'll just start off with Puget Systems because I think that's easier. Sure. Uh, Puget Systems, we're a workstation manufacturer. We focus on like really high-end, stable, reliable workstations. And a lot of the focus is on the content creation field, so photography, video editing. Uh, we do some stuff in like scientific and HPC, but I'd say content creation is our biggest uh, single market. And what I do there, um, I've been there a very long time. I think it's going on 18 years or so. Oh, wow. Uh, but the last five, six or seven, it might be eight now years, uh, I've been heading up our labs department. And that's where we do all of our testing to figure out how the latest hardware from like Intel or NVIDIA or AMD to figure out how it performs in applications like Lightroom or Photoshop. Because oftentimes, you know, you look at like reviews for like a new Intel CPU that comes out, say, and you'll find gaming benchmarks and synthetic benchmarks, which are great for games or synthetic, just you want to know some numbers, but doesn't really tell you how it's going to work right. in something like Lightroom. Right. So a lot of my day is learning how to use these applications as if I was an end user. I'm not a photographer, but I still have to have the technical skills and then developing testing to figure out how, again, this hardware works with applications like Lightroom. Super cool, because this is a whole lot of what I cover here on Photo Taco too. <laughs> it's the same. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep, how to do, like, uh, you know, recently ran a test, like, does the external drive storage speed actually matter in Lightroom mm. and stuff like that? So anyway, um, we're not going to rehash old episodes, but I wanted to get then going on the the latest stuff I have a tons of listeners now have been asking me like hey uh, your recommendations been Intel for Lightroom in particular for a long time does uh, should it, does AMD have an, a good story to tell there is, is that have I changed my mind so we're gonna go through a lot of that in this episode um, but before we get to that I I wanted to ask you Matt. Um, how did how does Puget get into like doing this testing, the benchmarking? You, you developed a benchmark for Lightroom and Photoshop and others, other creative applications. Uh, why did you have to create such a thing? So it really came down to the fact that we were selling systems, you know, say like 10 years ago, selling systems that we were saying are optimized for these different kinds of workflows. Because uh, we used to be very like gaming focused and over time, we've seen like gaming is kind of becoming almost commoditized. Like you don't need a $5,000 computer to play video games anymore. Right. And so we've kind of made the shift over to like workstations. And there was very little information in that space when it comes to how different kinds of hardware works. You know, what hardware should you use? Should you use Intel or AMD? There was just no information out there. There was no benchmarks uh, beyond like a few where people were claiming that this synthetic benchmark made sense for Premiere Pro or gotcha. Photoshop, which it doesn't. Uh -huh. And so we basically saw that there was a hole there. And so we wanted to fill that hole with real information, accurate information. And so it started off with us just doing our testing internally, you know, a lot of it by hand, you know, the stopwatch and just trying to do our best. And over time, it's just evolved and evolved and evolved 
to the point now where, like you mentioned, we have all these benchmarks uh, and most of them even are public. Like you can go on our website and download the benchmark and run it yourself. We've got a big old database, you know, upload the results to you. You can see how your system compares to, you know, other systems. So hopefully you can see like, oh, if I upgraded my CPU, it'll be that much faster or things like that. That's kind of our end goal is to provide those kind of tools to help people make intelligent decisions when they are either building their own computer or that are like our consultants can use to help people optimize, you know, a system, you know, from us to make sure that they're getting the best possible system for their budget. Right. Right. Okay, good. And so, I mean, I, I've downloaded the tool, the benchmark, and I've run it on some systems and it's, it's really fun. looks like it's a combination of some, some Lua code for a plugin and auto IT. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, more and more, we're trying to move everything to be a plugin. So as much as we can encapsulate within like Adobe's plugin system, we want to because that's just the most reliable. It's it's cross-platform, so it'll work on Windows and Mac. Right. Uh, the Lightroom benchmark is a little bit, I'd say, behind the others just because there's some functionality missing in the API, the um, what you can actually do within a plugin in Lightroom that we're hoping to uh, work with the dev team to get added, but it's just little things that normally you don't need in a plugin. Like in a plugin, you don't normally need to be able to remove a photo from your catalog, but we do. <laughs> and so it's just trying to work with them to uh, devote a little bit of dev time to those things, which is tough for them because they're they're trying to fix bugs. Right. They're spending time adding new features. And so I totally get why it's, um, they can't just take our request and like, oh yeah, sure, we can do that. So it's no, no, uh, Nothing bad about the Lightroom dev team. They're they're amazing. But yeah, so it's we have to be a little creative. And that's why what the the auto IT stuff is, it's it's an automation utility to just um like removing the photo. All it does is it sends a delete key key press to Lightroom so it deletes the photo. Right. Right. Yeah, very very cool stuff. I, I like it. And I'm actually I'm learning from your plugin. I've been able to look at like the code <laughs> that's behind it. And I'm I'm working on I don't need to make a shareable test suite like you guys are working on, but I'm I'm at least going to help have it help me do some of the manual testing I've been doing over and over and over and over. So, uh, I thanks for the ideas. That's good. <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh yeah, and it's you know this is the kind of thing that there's very few people who can spend the amount of time that we're spending on this uh, right. because you know this is basically my job is to figure out how to do all this kind of testing because we're doing all of our you know, just like you said, you're doing your testing, but we do, I mean, anytime Intel launches new CPUs, we got to redo all of our testing. Right. Anytime there's a new uh, update to Lightroom, hey, we got to redo all of our testing. And we're doing that for Lightroom and Photoshop and Premiere and After Effects and DaVinci Resolve. And so we basically have to spend our time on automation because otherwise there's no way we could possibly do all the testing that we're doing right now. Yep. Perfect. Okay. So I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but I do want to ask one more. I'm going to skip the Photoshop question, but for Lightroom, since a lot of the listeners are using Lightroom, how did you decide which of the functions you were getting? You can't, you're not exhaustively testing every feature function in Lightroom. So how did you decide what you were going to cover? You know, it's, it's really just kind of the whole squeaky wheel thing. So we listen to our customers. Uh -huh. What do they commonly say? Like, oh yeah, this is the problem in my workflow. Or we'll, um, anytime we do testing, people oftentimes will post in the comments at, you know, making requests. And yeah, I mostly lurk on a lot of the like subreddits on Reddit, you know, the photography ones, the Lightroom ones. And again, it's just seeing what people complain about. Okay. And that's what we want to test. So it's a lot of things like um, what we kind of deem as active tasks. So like switching between modules, scrolling through images, applying uh, adjustment brushes, which that one we haven't figured out how to do quite yet, but that's on our goal. 
Um, so it's those kind of things are really the ones we really want to test. And then there are other things that uh, people don't complain about as much, but it's still important. Things like export speed, import speed, uh, that those are also a lot easier to test because it's just a time to test. And then we will include those as well. Gotcha. Excellent. That's really cool. So if listeners want to run the test themselves, uh, there's just a, a plugin, like a, a zip file to go download from your site. And I'll put a link in the show notes, but you're, you're totally open to anyone listening to running those tests, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And again, it, it uploads the results to our, our database at the end so you can see how your system kind of performs you know, next to others. Um, and I will just note again, for so people won't be disappointed, it is uh, Windows only, right. the Lightroom one. There's too much things we have to do through external automation scripts, which on a Mac is a lot harder. There's, the security settings are a lot more strict. <laughs> so there's a lot more hoops you have to jump through on Macs to get those kind of automation things running. Right. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So if you're a Windows user, that's a good distinction I, I forgot to mention. So if you're a Windows user, this is uh, something to look into if you're interested to see how it compares. So are you like, are you guys building up a database then with all the results like the system specs? So you have like a database of specs and performance? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And that's um, because, I mean, we can do some testing. Uh, most of our testing, though, is done on the latest hardware. Intel right, watches right. do stuff. We test on the latest. And we have a ton of people who ask us, well, I have a system from four years ago. How much faster is this new system going right. to be? And right. we don't know. So by having you know both our benchmark be public, they can run it themselves, and they can go onto like this database. Like Maybe they don't even have to run it themselves. They can go and just search for a system that has the same CPU and GPU, and they can see, like, oh, okay, well, they got this score. That's close enough. I can just use that if they don't want to do the testing themselves. Right. Or um, if they're th th thinking about upgrading their video card in an older system, they might be able to find someone who had the same CPU and made, you know, and then two results, one with their current GPU and one with a new GPU, and they kind of see what it'd be like. So it's really about almost like democratization of testing. Uh, we can't do everything. So let's leverage all these people out there that are running a benchmark. I think we're up to... It's it's coming on up on to two thousand benchmark results or you know, profiles that people have uploaded already across the entire Adobe suite of our benchmarks, which is that's a lot of results. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Okay, yep. So listeners, we'd love to have you add to that database. That would be that would be really helpful actually to get a whole lot more data about how the various systems and all your configurations out there. Again, Windows only. You're working on Mac though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's there. It's just we need to get some API hooks added into Lightroom before we can really get that working on Mac. Got it. So you're working with the Lightroom dev team to get those hooks in, huh? Yep. And again, who knows when? Right. Be able right. To fit right. it in. They're <laughs> super tight schedule, but okay. Well, hey, when you when you get them in, let me know. I'm I'm super sure. interested in keeping up to date on that, so I could do better with the automation. I'd really want a cross platform thing too. Anyway, that's. You know, that's just me. Okay, let's go. Let's talk about what people are actually here to listen to. And that's the processors for running Lightroom and Photoshop. So here in 2020, the game is really heated up between AMD and Intel. Lots of people have had questions. And we're not going to quite get exactly to that piece of it yet because I want to cover um, I want to cover a subset of it. I, I asked listeners before we came on the show for some questions. And one of the big things that I get asked about, um, you know, tons of listeners are Mac users, which is why they might have been disappointed to hear the, the benchmark test was Windows only for now. But and, and unfortunately, right now, Apple only gives you core i3, i5, i7, i9 options as you're buying a Mac. And so 
I've seen some results. You guys have systems you build where you have really your choices are Core i7 versus i9 as you go to build a system uh, for the most part. You don't really go into the i3 or i5 right now, right? No, not really. And that's mostly just because the amount of like level of service we provide, we basically can't provide that on like, uh, I don't know, like $1,000 or less workstation. Right. So we basically have to have higher cost systems to be able to justify the service that we provide. Sure, sure. But okay, so so uh, do you can you talk to like the di- relative difference between them? Like that oh, what yeah. I, what I get from listeners all the time is, well, I really don't have the budget for that Core i7. Can I go Core i3 or i5? Is like how big a deal is that? So what what would you say? I would say that I would try to avoid the i3s if you can. I think those are just a little bit too low um for really great performance and it's not that expensive to go up to an i5 i would say i5s are probably where i would start at okay all right so if you're on a budget um it's probably impossible but anyway you could give like a a percentage difference between them um you know i would have to look in our database (laughs) i'm sure there's i know there's i5s out there that people have run our benchmark on and we've run plenty on i7s and i9s um, so I'd have to look into it, but my guess is that, well, always you you see the most jump between lower end, um, processors. So going from an I3 to I5, if I have to make up a number, maybe that's like a 20% performance jump. I5 to I7 is probably like a 10 or 15, I7 to I9 is probably a five to 10, some, somewhere in those ranges. So it's diminishing returns. Right. But I think that first jump up to I5 is a significant enough one to warrant the hundred bucks or whatever and, it is. And the be. pricing is kind of opposite that. The difference between I3 to I5 is usually pretty small compared to like the difference between I7 and I9 is is much larger and you're not getting as much performance benefit from it. Yeah, exactly. And it, that, I think that mostly comes down to like the manufacturing, how Intel makes those. It's a lot easier for them to make the lower end chips right. uh, because they can turn off more cores, it, it, how they you know do it. And so, yeah, they have to make it more expensive to be the, you know, the higher end ones. But oftentimes, yeah, it's the people who are, you know, it's their livelihood. Um, so, you know, they'll spend $5,000 on cameras. Oh, okay. What's an extra <laughs> right. you know, $300 for an i9 CPU over an i7? because it's going to save them X hours per week in export times. They can justify the cost that way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That totally makes sense. Uh, And there's something I pointed out before, too. Like, you don't bat an eye at, like, a $3,000 camera. Why are you batting an eye at a $3,000 computer or something more? To to pro- like you're going to be using that just as much, if not more, than your camera in the world we live in today. So it you got to be willing to spend some money on your computer if you expect these things to work out like a professional needs. Like a yeah, photographer I mean, it's, needs. it's just another tool. It's just like lights or yeah. cameras or lenses. Your computer's a tool. It's got to get the job done for what you're doing. And if it's good enough, great. But you know, higher end stuff can allow you you know some more freedom. I, it's a little bit less in like photography because you're um, you know, working on one thing kind of at a time versus something like uh, video editing is, is an area where we have lots of customers who like, they just want whatever's the best because, you know, they're spending hours and sometimes days exporting projects. And if they can get that down, you know, by 20%, that's a huge amount of time yeah. saved, which is a lot of money saved. Right. For sure. Yep. A lot of photographers need to get in and out of Lightroom and Photoshop. They got to get it done. So, yep. Okay. I want to ask another question before we get to the the main event here. 
Um, uh, listener Dieter Horst asked if you could rate the importance of frequency instructions per cycle cores and hyper threading. So there's a bunch of technical stuff in there. I think what he's really kind of looking for is as you're looking at a CPU, what are like the most important factors? We already talked core i3, i5, i7, i9, but beyond that, like if you get, if you have to choose between an i7 with a clock speed that's lower or higher, is it worth the money there? So can, can you speak to that? Like, what do you look for based on your experience so far? What is, what are the most important factors for improving the performance of Lightroom and Photoshop for those things? You know, I would actually say top of, uh, on top of all of those ones, I would put a, another one that people almost always ignore, and that's the architecture. Um, unfortunately, sure. that's not something you really people like to think about. It's not something that's really on marketing materials all that much, like cores and frequency. But that's basically what brand is the CPU and what generation is it? Because every generation, uh, you basically will get somewhere around a 10% performance bump if you have otherwise identical specs. So that's the big deal. Um, also, like how Intel performs is different than AMD. So even if you were looking at like, uh, I'm going to make up a CPU here, okay. uh, four core, four gigahertz CPU from Intel and AMD, they're going to behave differently. They're right. going to perform differently. So I think the architecture is the number one thing. You basically always want to be the latest generation you can be while still being um, cost effective. I know a lot of people are going onto like secondhand markets and things like that, and you can get a lot lower priced things as soon as you go back one generation. So there's always a coffee outs on there. But so I'd say architecture is number one. Probably after that, it comes down to what you care about you're doing in Lightroom. Uh, active tasks. So anything that where you're like directly interacting with things, sliders, switching between uh, modules and images. Frequency, I would say, is the number one thing. If you're doing passive things, like exporting, importing, uh, core count is probably a little bit more important. And the things like instructions per cycle and hyper-threading, I usually don't even care about all that much. It Hyper-threading made a lot bigger of a deal in the past when we had like dual core CPUs. But now that like most desktop CPUs you're going to be getting are going to be you know four, six, or eight cores, it's not as big of a deal anymore. Right. Okay, perfect. Um, I want to add one thing to it, and that is, have you, do you, are you familiar with CPUbenchmark.net? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so is, is there anything fair that you can get out of that? Like they have their rating of the processors, which comes from their more static analysis, general, like synthetic analysis of CPUs. Um, do it, does that apply very well to like your CPU benchmarks? Is there any correlation? Some, um, it gets really difficult, um, especially in an application like Lightroom. We'll talk about this more in just a little bit here, but, um, you kind of can. I, the the biggest warning I would have is don't use those numbers to try to compare like Intel to AMD. Uh, it's just too different when you're talking about a synthetic kind of thing, like what you know CPUbenchmark.net uses versus real performance in Lightroom. Right. Uh, there there's some things where AMD is way stronger. There's things that Intel is a little bit stronger. And trying to take a generic kind of score like that. The more different the CPU, the less accurate it's going to be. So if you're trying to decide, you know, an AMD 3700X or 3800X, yeah, you could look at those numbers, and it's probably going to be close enough. If you wanted to compare a AMD 3700X to an, you know, an Intel i5 10600K, eh, it's probably not. It, it's just as likely to be completely off as it is to be correct. Gotcha. Okay. All right. That makes a lot of sense. 
Okay, so more important than making a decision about AMD versus Intel for a computer to run Lightroom and Photoshop, you really have to learn how to use both programs first. It doesn't matter how fast they run if you don't know how to get the very most out of your images in those incredible programs. And one of the best ways I know to learn Photoshop and Lightroom is Flurn.com. My friend Aaron Nace and the folks over at Flurn.com produce video training for Photoshop. I can't recommend strongly enough. It is incredible. Aaron is truly a Photoshop master, but more importantly, he's a really good teacher and those aren't always the same thing. Included in a year's subscription to Flurn.com is instant access to over 150 in-depth video tutorials and they're not done there because they're releasing two new pro tutorials every month. In May 2020, they released training videos for how to create watercolor effects and do advanced compositing with stock images. Priced at $99.95 per year, the annual subscription is an absolute steal. And listeners of Photo Taco can get an even better deal with 20% off that first year by using coupon code PHOTOTACO20 at checkout. I love Flurn.com. I know you will too. If you've been afraid of Photoshop, this is the solution. Head over to Flurn.com and use coupon code PHOTOTACO20 to get 20% off. And I want to thank Flurn.com for helping to make this episode possible. All right, Matt, let's get to the main event. We we spent like a half hour not doing the main event, but let's get to the main the main thing that we want to talk about. There are so many who are super interested in potentially building a new AMD system based on all of the hype that they're seeing for AMD. It seems like AMD is the beneficiary of a massive amount of positive news right now. And uh, it's making people go crazy like, oh, I've been waiting for something big to re- to do something about getting a new computer for my Photoshop and Lightroom use. And it seems like now's a good time to do it. So um, I, I, I want to get into now because I, I know Puget has done so much testing on things. You guys get access to hardware that I can't really get access to and, and I really wanted to have you guys come on and be able to talk about this but let's let's start with a listener question Joseph uh, McCastlane he asked Intel has historically been the better processor but AMD has caught up in performance I'm curious if the stability of AMD has improved as well when running Lightroom and Photoshop so Matt what do you think is is has stability been an issue within with AMD for like recently uh you know, that's a really hard question. It's a harder question to answer than I think it might be obvious. Uh, so oftentimes, the biggest problem with stability, whether it's Intel or AMD, it comes about because people are running um, their systems out of spec. Um, and it's tough because what is in spec is not always what matches what Intel or AMD will use in their marketing materials. Uh-huh. Um, a prime example is most people, um, whether it's Intel or AMD, they use RAM that is faster than what the CPU supports. Uh, and that's something that we've done some testing on, and it definitely increases the risk of either blue screens or Adobe applications crashing or anything crashing. And so I, I, I would say right now, if you are actually running everything in spec, I don't know if there's much of a difference between Intel and AMD uh, when it comes to stability on the CPU side. So yeah, I think AMD is great right now. I I have no concerns about them from a stability side in our workstations because we make sure everything is in spec. But if you're building your own, I, yeah, I'd say the biggest thing is just make sure you're not using too high a frequency RAM. Yeah. Um, as long as you're not doing that, I think you're going to be fine. And when you say out of spec, that's that's overclocking stuff. Is that what it is? 
Yeah, kind of. Either overclocking or using RAM that's faster than what the CPU supports. And right. what's really tough is Intel is very good about saying what RAM is supported, what RAM speed is supported. AMD is not. Uh, it's one of the biggest gripes that we have with AMD right now, really one of the few ones, is that they like to put in their specs. It says like supports RAM up to 3600 megahertz. And that's great. But when you actually dig really deep into the white papers, you have to really dig for this stuff. You find out that, oh, yeah, it's 3600 if you're using like one stick of RAM and it's, I think, single rank or dual rank. One of, one of the others, a spec that no one ever actually uses. <laughs> right. uh, but if you're actually using two sticks or four sticks, the supported speed goes down, I think, even all the way down to it's either 2666 or 2400. So really a lot slower RAM than people realize and so you have these people that will fill up their board with four sticks of 3,600 RAM, and then they have this really, really intermittent stability issues. It's things that don't show up in MEM tests or, or any di sort of diagnostic tool, but you know, once a week or once every other, every couple of days, Lightroom will crash, and they can't figure out what it is. And almost always, it comes down to something like that. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay, that's that's great advice. I had my perception was the same. I I just haven't tested nearly as much, especially recently. I started out as an AMD guy, and that was before I got into photography. But then when I started running Lightroom Photoshop, I was trying to use it on my AMD based systems that I was building, and I was like, oh, these are just not. <laughs> it's not going very well. This is a long time ago, and uh, and the the code was just built better for it was built for Intel processors. Do you think that's still kind of a thing today? I, I know Adobe has worked really closely with Intel. Are they also working closely with AMD? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they are. I mean, it, it, Adobe is such a huge company with such a huge user base that I don't think there's any chance that Intel and AMD and NVIDIA, for that matter, right. are not working directly with them, trying to get them to optimize their code for their uh, their hardware. I, I think it's going you know both ways. I'm who knows, you know, some dev teams might have a little bit of a bias one way or, they're, one way or the other. I have no idea. Um, but, you know, if anything, I don't know if you could argue that Lightroom has an Intel bias anymore. If anything, they have an AMD bias. Right. Okay. All right. So um, it looks like right now, if you go to over to PugetSystems.com to price out a workstation, uh, if you choose Lightroom, if you like go through the menus and you say, I want a Lightroom workstation, that today you are saying AMD Ryzen 3900X. And if you say you want a Photoshop workstation, then it's going to be an Intel Core i9-9900K. So what is the recommendation for photographers that use both? Or or maybe let's start with why, the rec why is it a difference there? So, okay. So our... Our website, how we kind of structure things is we have two different kind of products. One is like hardware first. You kind of know what you want from a hardware standpoint and you can go, you know, configure a system directly. And then we have like per software. So per, like you mentioned, Lightroom and, and Photoshop. And those systems, we try to, um, it's, it's almost taking the Apple approach where less choice is good. Yeah. Um, so that's why uh, we have AMD on Lightroom because it's, significantly enough better that we use it there. Uh, and Photoshop, Intel is a little bit faster than AMD, so that's why we're using it there. We totally could have both on both systems, but it's kind of our philosophy of trying to get people to not be able to make a wrong choice on those systems uh, is kind of why they're different. And then 
after a customer has you know configured something or saved a quote, that's when our consultants get in get in uh, touch with them, and then it really turns into okay, we know you're not using just one software. What right, are you right. Using? What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> and then we can tweak. And you know, oftentimes we don't end up using that first system that they saved at all, uh-huh. just because you know it's just kind of almost a get your foot in the door. You're not going to make a wrong choice by using this. Sure. Sure. Okay. So there are, and and if you go look at like a lot of the blog articles you guys have published, there's good uh, detail about kind of what led to your decision about the different uh, processors for those different applications, the the ways that the AMD processor works better than the Intel processor in Lightroom, for example. It's all documented, so you guys can all check that out over there. But what about the recommendation if if the photographer does a lot of both? They start off in Lightroom, they do their, their culling, they do their basic edits, and then they bring almost all their photos through into Photoshop and spend a bunch of time in there too. What's your recommendation for that? Probably AMD, um, because AMD is almost as good as uh, Intel for Photoshop. Like it's, you probably won't even notice the difference uh, close. And it's about the same again in Lightroom for like active tasks, again, like scrolling through images, culling. And but for passive things like exporting or building previews, man, AMD is way faster. Um, it's something like, I think I want to say it's like 50% faster if you're looking at like a Ryzen CPU. If you have the budget for Threadripper, it can be two or two and a half times faster exports than Intel. Um, so between those two workflows, I think there's enough performance gain in Lightroom that you'd probably go AMD for that kind of cross, uh, those, those two applications. Uh, the only caveat I would give is that one of the reasons why we still do so much Intel um, is because of Thunderbolt. Uh, we have a <laughs> right. ton of customers who either were on Macs, and so they have a lot of Thunderbolt devices, or they just like Thunderbolt. And we have found consistently that Thunderbolt is more stable, more reliable on Intel platforms right now than AMD. Right. Okay, and we're going to get to some other factors that people should consider too. Before we go there, what if they have like the whole Adobe suite? Maybe they're a photographer that does some YouTube videos too. And so they're in After Effects and Premiere enough that it's a, it's important to them. So like the whole creative cloud suite from Adobe, does that change which of the processors you would go with? Oh man, it gets really tough when you're talking about so many applications because right. everyone's going to have a little bit different of a priority. You know, even if someone only uses After Effects a little bit, if that's enough of a headache for them, it might change our recommendation than someone who does just a little bit more in Lightroom. Um, I guess my generic answer to that is that you're probably not going to notice much of a difference overall across the entire Adobe suite between Intel and AMD. Um, So at that point, it comes down to feature sets, again, things like Thunderbolt or just which one you'd rather support. If you want to support AMD, go for it. If you want to support Intel, go for it. (laughs) Um, So I think from an overall standpoint, they're pretty close. AMD is stronger, I'd say, in Lightroom and Premiere. Intel is stronger in Photoshop and After Effects. Okay, very good. All right, so now let's talk about some other factors. Um, We've been focused on processor for the most part in this episode, and it's a really big deal. A processor is such a big player in the overall performance of these apps. 
But if you had to prioritize then like after processor, so we're, we're going to recommend that you, you should spend as much as you can on the processor to get the, the best one that's in within budget. What about like RAM, GPU, storage? How would you prioritize those things in getting the most performance out of Lightroom and Photoshop? You know, I would actually, before even CPU, I would put RAM first. Okay. Um, and it's not from a performance standpoint. It's just you need to have enough. Uh, if you don't have enough RAM to like actually run Lightroom or Photoshop with like your photos, it doesn't matter how fast your CPU is. So I, I would say RAM is actually the first thing that you need to make sure you're allocating enough of your budget for. Um, storage is kind of the same thing. Um, again, you need to have enough of it. Right. And it needs to be fast enough to, you know, be useful to you and not hold everything else back. Luckily for photography, you don't need too much. You don't need to invest in an NVMe drive or some of these crazy things, just a standard SSD. Oftentimes people get along with just a, you know, one of those traditional platter drives. They're really fairly inexpensive. They're huge. And most of the time, honestly, they're going to be just fine for, for a lot of people doing things in photography. Um, so yeah, again, I'd say RAM and storage, you kind of have to have those set. Um, after that, then CPU, you know, we've been talking about a whole bunch and then GPU is probably the last thing right now. It's becoming more and more important, but I don't think it's nearly to the same level as CPU quite yet. It, it, it's super important to have a GPU, a discrete GPU. So like an actual card that you've installed in the system, but Oftentimes, the difference between a low-end card and a mid-range card and a high-end card is a handful of percent. So it's not a huge issue right now, not like CPU. How about some numbers on like RAM? Um, so generally, these days, our systems almost always are starting off with 32 gigs of RAM. Um, you could probably get by with 16. I think RAM has had a little bit of a price jump recently, so it might not be quite as cost-effective at the moment. But I would... I would say if you're a hobbyist, you can get away with 16. If you're a professional, I would really try to get up to 32. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, how about on the GPU front, AMD versus NVIDIA? NVIDIA, 100%. Um, it's, it's, um, AMD is really good right now for like cost-effective performance, especially in like gaming. But for whatever reason, uh, Adobe applications just really like NVIDIA. Uh, I'm not sure if it's as big of a deal in Lightroom uh, because a lot of the stuff in Lightroom that uses the GPU is really hard for us to benchmark. It's, it's a lot of things like snappiness, which uh -huh. how do you benchmark snappiness? <laughs> right. Um, so I, it might not be as big of a deal in Lightroom, but especially in applications like Photoshop and Premiere Pro, NVIDIA just absolutely is way faster than AMD. Uh, it's just, that's just what it is right now. We, we've also had a lot less stability issues with NVIDIA over AMD. Um, I'd say AMD's GPU drivers is probably the biggest thing holding back AMD as a whole at the moment in, in terms of like workstations and computers. So they've got some work to do there right now. Okay. And then on the NVIDIA front, Quadro versus GeForce, you already sort of addressed this saying like the, there's not enough, a huge amount of difference, at least for Lightroom and Photoshop between them. But uh, it would, if you can get the Quadro, is that something you'd recommend? Not really anymore. Um, I mean, in the past, Quadro had some performance advantages. These days, no, there's, there's no performance advantage to using Quadro over GeForce in terms of applications like Adobe. Um, there's some like scientific work or some AI training work that 
yeah, there's some advantages to quadro. Nothing in the kind of thing that you would ever encounter in like photography or video editing. Um, so from a performance standpoint, GeForce all the way. And a lot of the features that used to be a reason to buy Quadro are no longer a concern anymore. It used to be that you had to have a Quadro card to be able to display 10-bit color on 10-bit right. displays, right. at least in Photoshop. You can't do that in Lightroom, but um, on, in Photoshop at least. And they unlocked that feature on GeForce cards. I want to say it was around last Adobe Max. So like that's not even a concern anymore. And that was the main reason why people would be using Quadros for photography workflows. Right. Perfect. Okay. Uh, we already talked a little bit about Thunderbolt. So Thunderbolt 3, um, do you think that that's a big enough deal? I guess you're hearing from customers that it's a big enough deal that that's why they're going to stay with Intel since it seems to work quite a lot better on Intel than it does on AMD. Yeah, right now at least. Um, right. And the main reason for that is that Intel actually owns Thunderbolt. Right, right. And so they're doing all the certification work and things like that. And I mean, surprise, they didn't certify AMD platforms nearly as much as Intel platforms, uh, but we're starting to see AMD platforms being certified. So that might change in the future. Uh, but I think Thunderbolt, most of the time when people are using Thunderbolt, it's for storage. Right. And for storage, oftentimes, especially in photography workflows, people have way faster storage than they actually need. And most of those people are going to be just fine with USB 3. Oh man, USB is really butchered their naming convention, yes, whatever the 3.2 gen four, whatever it is now. Uh, it's <laughs> more than fast enough for most of those workflows. It's really only the people with really large raids that they're trying to run through Thunderbolt. That is kind of a, where you really need Thunderbolt for storage. Uh, but in our experience, a lot of those people that have those big raids, they're starting to move to network attached storage more and more. So it's really, oftentimes it's more about legacy like they already have all of these drives so if you already have thunderbolt drives you need thunderbolt if you don't have thunderbolt drives honestly you probably don't need to worry about it how about with uh thunderbolt 4 and looking forward a little bit what do you what are your thoughts on that you think that's going to yeah. be more ubiquitous yeah i don't i don't know thunderbolt's a very complicated uh protocol uh in my experience like it, it handles video and it handles data and right. it handles directly attaching to the PCIe bus in the system so you can do really, really fast things. Uh, and right now, even Thunderbolt 3 is really, really fast. And I'm not sure if Thunderbolt 4, whenever it comes out, is going to be a big deal for, especially like photographers. I, I think the biggest area where Thunderbolt 4 is going to be useful is in laptops where people want to have an external GPU. Uh, I think it'll be really important for that. But again, I don't think it's going to be a big deal for photographers. It's mostly going to be like people who want to do on-the-go gaming or possibly in video editing, it'll make a big enough difference. But we're still seeing laptops with built-in GPUs that are pretty darn good. So we'd have to see a little bit of a shift in how laptops are even being designed for it to really be a huge deal. I think that that's just my own opinion on that one, though. Have you guys done any eGPU testing? You know, not really, uh, mostly because we do workstations. We don't really sell right. laptops. We used to, and it was a nightmare. Um, so, and I think that's the biggest area where eGPUs make sense is laptops. Right, right. Okay, uh, we have kind of a specific question that came from a listener. And I don't know if you guys have much experience with this sort of thing, but Aaron Priest, he said, historically, Intel Rapid Storage has made RAID very easy, portable, and relatively high performance on Intel. Very easy to migrate arrays to a new chipset, incredible caching for performance, etc. 
AMD drivers, on the other hand, have almost always resulted in blue screens and had challenges updating Windows, migrating to new motherboards. Terrible, terrible performance compared to Intel for caching. Has this improved? You guys do much with uh, RAID from the motherboard on the computer? You know, we used to do a lot, and it was frankly awful. <laughs> Whether it was rapid storage or AMD or whatever, um, we moved most of our stuff to using what's called software RAID. So you're just doing it in Windows. And that has, for us, worked really well. The performance difference was almost nothing. And I would actually argue that if they're using RAID for performance, it's not the right tool uh, for the job, especially since you can get such fast drives these days. Mm-hmm. Like You can get a single drive, an NVMe drive, that's three and a half gigabytes a second. Like That's insane. That's seven times faster than a normal standard SSD. Do you really need RAID to make something faster than that? And most of the time, the answer is no. Um, and for the people that are using it for like backup, or they think they're using it for backup, <laughs> right. the biggest thing is just RAID is not backup. No. Uh, RAID can like be corrupted just as easily as a drive failing. So if anything, oftentimes when you're using RAID for a backup, you're putting your data more at risk. There's There's no substitute for copying the data to another drive where RAID is not a, a factor. Um, RAID is about redundancy to, so that your workflow is not interrupted if a drive fails, not backing up your data. Right. Right. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot on the episodes on the on Photo Taco here. Uh, let's finish up with, well, we, we're going to give you a chance to talk more about Puget in a second. But I want to know, um, the, the last listener question that I gathered before we did the episode and I, I should ask Alan how to say his last name. It's always dangerous when I'm talking about names, but Alan Boney, I don't know for sure how you say your last name, Alan. I'm sorry. Um, but he said, I'd love to hear if there's anything coming in the future. And I'm interested in this too, that has, has you excited about something coming for high-end machines? He says things like PCI 4 and USB aren't really, USB 4 aren't exactly game changers, but are more interesting to creatives than they are to gamers. So from a a builder of creative workstations instead of gaming workstations. Is there something you guys are like, Oh, I can't wait till this next thing comes. Oh man. There's a couple of things that I think are going to be really cool. The only thing on the hardware side though, that I can think of is probably a ways out and that's persistent memory. Um, This is (laughs) be a little nerdy and geeky here, but basically um, you have storage in your computer. That's long-term, you know, you turn off your computer, it's still there. And you have RAM, which is you load an application. It loads into RAM temporary, but if you turn off your computer, it goes away. Yep. So you, next time you launch Lightroom, it has to relaunch into RAM. And this persistent memory that they're working on can hopefully marry the two together. So you don't actually launch Lightroom and it has to sit up the splash screen for a little bit and then come up. You just hit the button and like it just reads it directly from the storage and it's just immediately open it opens as fast as if it was just minimized it's kind of like on on your phone a lot of phones kind of have this where you never really close an app you just kind of it just goes into the background and so that that's eventually coming on pcs and i think that's going to be a huge game changer for us a ton of stuff uh but that's i don't know five or ten years out intel's doing a lot of stuff with their optane stuff that's you know coming they keep trying to push it uh so we'll see how it goes so i think that's on the hardware side that's the most exciting thing um but I think more than that, I think the biggest advances in the next several years is going to come on the software side. And it's not going to be like optimizing, you know, Adobe optimizing Lightroom for a higher core count CPUs. 
Now, I think it's going to be AI, uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence. We're, we're already seeing it more and more like in these applications where you don't even know that it's using AI, but it is. And I think that's just going to become more and more important, more and more useful as we go on, that it's just going to be absolutely amazing. It's going to be things like, you know, auto tagging of things. Like you want to go through your entire catalog and you want to find all the pictures of cats. You just type in cat and there you go. There's all your cats. Right. Um, and they're already doing that in, what is it? Lightroom CC, the, the, the cloud version, uh, but moving that stuff to the desktop you know, applications as well. And then, you know, even other things, uh, things they've had in like Premiere Pro, which is uh, scene matching. So it can try to match the color and exposure and all that kind of jazz between two shots in video. Well, hey, let's let's do that for photographs as well. So you can just give it, I like how this photo works, apply it to, you know, this photo that I took. And it can try to get the mood as close to as possible, you know, the exposure about the same. And, it, you know, it's never going to be perfect. You're always going to have to go in and tweak, but it can give you so much more starting points. That's way more than what we have today with just like, um, you know, you know, custom presets that you download off the web. You know, actual true AI is going to really revolutionize the way that, you know, people work. Perfect. All right. Very good. Um, all right. So Puget Systems, you guys build workstations for creatives. Take a minute here. This is not an ad, by the way. I just want to make it clear to, to the listeners, like the Puget didn't pay to come on the show here. I asked if they would be nice enough to come on the show and Matt carved some time out of his schedule to be able to come on and, and share this information with you. So I want to give you the chance though, to be able to sell your services. Matt, tell me about Puget Systems workstations and, and why listeners should consider buying a workstation from Puget? Sure. Um, so I'll try to keep it short. I, I think the biggest people who benefit from our services are the people who need a tool that's going to get the job done and they don't want to fuss with it. Um, uh-huh. A big thing with us is stability, reliability over raw performance. Like we're not going to give up or we're not going to give you 5% higher performance if the system is going to blue screen, you know, once a week. That's not at all our philosophy. And uh, we just want our systems to just work and for you not to worry about it. Like we like to talk to our customers about what they're doing in their work rather than what hardware they should be buying. Because a lot of our customers, they don't know. It's like me with cars. I don't know much about cars. <laughs> so I take it to a mechanic who knows what they're doing and who I trust. And Future Systems is kind of that for workstations. We're, we built up our reputation on doing what's best for our customers rather than trying to make an extra buck. So that that's really our goal is to just solve the problems for our customers, get them working and make sure they have as little downtime as possible. Right. Very good. Okay. I love it. That's great. And listeners, if you want, or if you're interested in this, give them a call for sure. Uh, I have a link that you can use as a starting point too. If you want to just go check out the site and the systems that are there, that if you use that link, you can get some free shipping on your order. So go to the show notes and check out that link so that you can make sure you get that free shipping. Thanks, Matt, so much for joining me. I, I really appreciate it. I hope I can have you guys come on periodically so we can, we can talk about nerd sure. out about this stuff because uh, it's so much fun to be able to do that. So yeah, thank I mean, you. there's always new hardware. There's always new software versions. So yeah. There's always something to talk about. There is. There is. Uh, I want to encourage everyone, you can go over to phototacopodcast.com to get all of the latest stuff about the podcast there. You can send ideas for the show over to phototacopodcast 
at gmail.com or through Twitter where it's at phototaco or Instagram at phototaco podcast. There's lots of ways to contact the show. It's all in the show notes. You don't have to remember any of it. Uh, we have a new Discord server too. So if you aren't familiar with that, it's kind of cool. I'm I'm experimenting with it to see if for photographers, you all like it like I do. Um, it's really kind of started with gamers, but I think it could have really good application to being able to be a nice online community for us that's not under Facebook. <laughs> if you are into Facebook, then our Facebook group is uh, Photo Taco listeners. You do have to ask to join and to get into that group so we can keep the spammers and the bots out of there. So you can you have to write in a name of the host. So Jeff will work or now Matt will work since he was on the show. You can check everything out over at phototacopodcast.com. Matt, where can people find you? Uh, easiest things probably just go to pugetsystems.com and We've got our whole site navigation there. You can find whatever workstations or our publications for all of our articles are also up there. Very good. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you again next month. Views expressed on this program by independent hosts and callers do not necessarily reflect the views of Master Photography Podcast, LLC, or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links for commissions earned. Olay!